All right. Well, if you will open up your Bibles, please, to our text for this evening is Mark 25 through 34. And um, this is where we're going to camp out. And, uh, um, you know, God wants us to know that we have access to him. God wants us to know that uh, his heart and his character, because God's alive and he's real and he's relational. But if if you and I uh, don't realize that we have access to God, um, then we're not going to go to him. Okay, well, what would what would put a barrier in with that access to the Lord? Well, tonight it might not seem like a spiritual uh, title of a message, but um, uh, this is what I think the Lord wanted us to, to know tonight. And so tonight's message is God is not mad at me. God is not mad at me. He said, well, Dixie, that sounds like something that you would tell a two year old. But what happens if we think that God is mad at us? Or that we've done something wrong. We can withdraw. We can uh, feel rejected or feel like we've done something wrong. And it just, it just, you know, it can just get to. So I just want to let you know that God, he's not mad at you. Okay. And so we're going to look at um, a very small passage in scripture where we see this, uh, where we see this demonstrated, where we see the response of Jesus. Um, and um, and so how we can just uh, do some takeaways from that tonight, okay? So in Mark 25 through 34, uh, in this particular part of the scripture, you can see this account of uh, the woman with the issue of blood uh, in, in other chapters, Luke, as well as in Matthew. But this one gives a more, um, a little bit more details of the interaction. But before I begin in this text, you know... Um, you know, have you ever had such a busy day and such a tight time in your schedule that it just seems like you were just flying from one thing to another? You know, have you ever been so busy that you literally like, oh my goodness, I forgot to eat today? Has anybody, has that ever happened to anybody? You know, and um, it just seems like how on earth can all this stuff go in my schedule? You know, you're just going from one thing to another. Well, in the scripture here in Mark, we see how as Jesus is ministering, I mean, he's just going from major uh, significant thing to another significant thing. There was like, it was like no break, um, from, uh, uh, from, um, uh, um, a man, be, and this is the cool story, a cool story in Mark 2, uh, lowered down. There was, a, there was a, uh, they were meeting at a house and preaching, and the, the house was so full of people that, um, some guys, said, you know what, we've got to bring our buddy to see Jesus, so we're just going to lower him down through a roof. That is ingenious, you know, and it's hilarious too, you know. So Jesus went from that moment, and then he also went um, from a moment where uh, he was preaching, and there was just so many people wanting to have access to him, wanting to wanting to touch him, wanting to, to hear him, wanting to speak to him. And um, and so uh, there was another leader uh, uh, in the in the town, that ran to Jesus and said, hey, listen, my daughter, uh, <clears throat> he was his only child. She was 12 years old and she was about to die. And, and he was just frantic. And he's like, I need you to come to my house. I need you to lay hands on her and I need you to heal her. And Jesus is like, no problem. Let, let, let's go. And so he's just going from literally one miracle to another miracle, one ministry to another and just ministering and people just all around him. 
So in this part of the scripture, Jesus is actually on his way to Jairus' house. Okay? And so this is... Hold on, i got to cough, guys. And so this is the, the story that we pick up in just this little verse, but man, a lot happens, okay? So let's dive on in, okay? There was a woman in the crowd who had a hemorrhage for 12 years, and she had suffered a great deal from many doctors through the years and had spent everything she had to pay for them, and she had gotten no better. In fact, she was worse. She had heard about Jesus. Come on, somebody, next she say she heard about Jesus. Say, tell that to him. That was so, I know children's ministry can see louder than that. Come on, tell somebody next to you, say she heard about Jesus. All right, all right, y'all doing great. And so I'm going to continue. So she came up behind him through the crowd and touched the fringe of his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his clothing, I will be healed. And immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel that she had been healed. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, all this crowd is pressing around you. How can you ask, you know, who, who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, she was healed, came and fell at his feet and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. You have been healed. And so come on, let's just kind of dive in and dig into um, and, and to, to the scripture. There are a couple of faces of fear that I want us to, to point, uh, that us to talk about. You know, sometimes when people think of fear, they think of maybe a child who is in terror of, uh, whether it's lightning or whether it's a, uh, an, an animal or just different circumstances. But fear is no respecter of persons. Okay. And it can be debilitating. And what the enemy wants to do, and whenever I say the enemy, I'm not talking about anybody in this room or the person sitting next to you. I'm talking about Satan. So let's kind of take a look at what the scripture has to say about the fear and some faces of fear. Okay. That this woman faced. Second Timothy 1 7. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So faces of fear that we can see is fear of inferiority. Fear of inferiority. A little, feeling a little less important or valued than others. So a question is, does God like me? Is God mad at me? The enemy, Satan, would want us to feel inferior, that God thinks less of us, whether by something that we've done, whether by uh, our family background. But he wants us to, uh, the enemy wants us to feel inferior. Why is that? Because if we think that we are less and God doesn't uh, have time for us or God does not care for us or love us, it is going to affect the depth of our relationship that God has not only paid a price for us to have, but that he desires for us to have. You know, it's like God as in us being his children, he does not want the enemy, Satan, to shortchange us of our inheritance. 
And that is the relationship that we have in Christ Jesus. And so faces of fear is there to try to bring cracks or to distort or or to separate us from fully receiving what God has for us. So faces of fear. See, with the woman with the issue of blood is when we read that story, it's like, okay, you know, how many of you've read that story many, many times? But what was happening there is that it was a very clear law that with her type of health condition, she was identified as unclean. And she, by law, really had no business being amongst the crowd. By law, she had no business definitely touching anyone, and she knew it. See, she had tried everything that she could in her own strength and her own ability to um, to find a release, to find a healing of the issue. See, the woman knew that her health, her issue abode by the law, was unclean. And she was labeled and considered unclean. And she was not supposed to be among the crowd. And surely not touching anyone. For the law had declared that who she touched would also be unclean. But I love in Scripture in John three sixteen through 17, and we know this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. See, Dixie, how does this Scripture relate Because even in the dialogue that Jesus was having, and I'm going to get to this in a minute, she did whatever it took to get close to him. She did whatever it took to get near him. Because the measure of faith that she had was was surpassing the inferiority of holding her back. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. It says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable, and it keeps no record of when it has been wronged. It is never glad about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstances. Love will last forever. So this woman, knowing the law, knowing the culture and the history of what was going on, it was very easy for us to have a mindset of inferiority because it was like nobody can know what's going on in my body because if they knew, everybody would around would start yelling, unclean, unclean, and make a big, big scene. I am glad that in my sin that Jesus does not stand up and yell unclean or begin to declare to everybody else what's going on, but by his grace and by his mercy. Okay? So faces of fear is one is fear of inferiority. Number two is fear of failure. A definition for a failure of failure is unable to meet expectations. Belief that someone will or should achieve Something. The question that we need to ask about expectation is what is the origin of your expectation? Where did it come from? 
Who did it come from? What expectations are you placing on your career, on your marriage, and on your parenting? With the mindset of, I've got to make this happen. Or can God help me? The woman had her own expectations of how to resolve the issue by what the law had placed on her and presented to her. It caused her expectations to be formed that I have to work to fix this. I have to work to be accepted. And it was not working. What she was striving to do by what the law had said, by what culture was saying, was not working. It was placing expectations. Why was she working for 12 years? Why did she spend all the money that she did? It's because it's what she knew to do. And so the question is, is my friends, is what expectations are you placing on your career? Are you placing in your marriage? Are you placing in your family? Because the question is, is you have to ask where are the origins of those expectations? Because let me tell you something else about expectations. Expectations. Hold on, let me see. That's in my notes here. It is the belief of what we expect. So what is the belief that you are placing upon yourself, that you are placing upon your loved one, that you are placing upon your children? Where did it come from? Are you placing expectations is on your on your family, on your career, on your children? Is because that's what how you grew up? Are you placing expectations on a mindset? Because she had placed expectations and was trying to resolve it in her own. Does that make any sense? Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We see in the scripture where it says in verse 27, and she heard about Jesus. She heard about Jesus. There was a shift that took place in her expectations when truth infused into her mind. So the expectations of, I can't be around anybody. The expectations of, I've got to try to fix this. I've got to try to do this and do that to have any form of significance in my life. All of that was removed. When she heard about Jesus, a shift took place. Sometimes we can look at our, our past, uh, um, uh, family experiences and say, I'm never gonna do, I'm never gonna treat my loved one like this, or, uh, my marriage isn't gonna do this, or, or I'm gonna have a better career than this. And we place those expectations on us. But what's happened is, is we're taking that experience, we're taking that mindset of what was told to us, maybe by man, and we're using our expectations to judge our parameters of what we can do and what we can't do. And you have to look at the origin of your expectation. If it did not come from the word of God, if it does not line up with scripture of the word of God, then you need a shift. Then you need a realignment. Is that making any sense? Because sometimes we will make plans and decisions and they will be rational. They will seem good but they have nothing to do with the will and the purpose of God. We're doing it 
because I have these responsibilities, things that gotta get, things that gotta get done. We're doing it is because we're familiar with it. It's what our parents did. It's what, um, how our wiring of our personality. But God's over here and says, I have something better for you. Because we do not have to work and strive for the love and the approval of God. He loves us as we are. You know? And so in Romans 10, 17, it says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When she heard about Jesus, a shift took place. Hebrews 4, 13, it says, For the word of God is full of living power. It is sharper than the sharpest knife, cutting deeper into our innermost thoughts and desires. It exposes us for what we really are. You know, Jesus being the the uh, the groom, metaphorically, as he described in Scripture, and, and the church being the bride. When you, and how many of you know, when there is a marriage, you're bringing two worlds together. You're bringing two mindsets. You're bringing two families. You're bringing two, um, uh, just two worlds together. And God ordained marriage, and he created marriage. But man, when you begin to bring expectations, that come and placing them upon each other that have nothing to do with the purpose and the plans of God, you're going to have serious conflict and you're going to miss out on something beautiful that God has. If she would have continued 13 years, 14 years, 15 years, she would have had the same result. She would have been left worse off than she was before, continued with not having using all of her finances. Why is that? Because the origin of her expectations was in the law. The origin of her expectations was in what man said she could and could not do. And man's worth and value on her. So Dixie, what do you mean man's worth and value? Because she was unclean. She couldn't touch anybody. There was all these rituals that she had to do. Sometimes placing expectations upon yourself and upon your loved ones, that's exactly what the enemy wants us to do. That alone can trap us in a place of fear. So what do you mean trap us in a place of fear? Fear of failure. Fear of rejection. I give everything that I have. I'm going to do the best that I can. I'm going to work myself to the bone with every amount of energy and resources that I have but yet it's simply not good enough. Don't you see? I'm trying to literally pouring out everything. Anybody ever have those, those intense moments of fellowship with people you know and love? And there's not a clear communication. What is it? Because if we allow man's view and opinion on us to determine our worth and value, we will always come up shorthanded. And there will be a mindset of, is God mad at me? There will feel this, you'll feel this void of never not quite me, reaching the mark. Something, something's missing. It has nothing to do with you. We need a moment with touching the hem of his garment. So faces of fear, fear of inferiority, fear of failure, Another one is fear of rejection. Will God accept me? Am I enough? 
I find it interesting that in her approach with the Lord, obviously, you know, everybody was, was around, you know, and very, very close, but why the hem of his robe? Why not his arm? Why not his shoulder? Why not his back? Why not, why the hem of his robe? The lowest place possible. You know, when, when we feel that God isn't going to accept us, and I'm not talking about going to God in humility, that's very good. But was her mindset to touch the, the very just end of his robe because she did not feel worthy or that God would accept her? Is that a possibility? So what are some takeaways that we see in Jesus' response and how we can relate them to our life so that whenever the enemy wants to come in like a flood of fear factors, our faces of fear, that God is not mad at me. You know, my my um, my niece, I'm, I was teaching her how to mow the grass and uh, I enjoy mowing the grass. You know, sometimes I get excited and I feel like that my my lawnmower is a four-wheeler, you know, and I'll just try to go as fast as I can. You know, I've knocked down some trees doing that, so I wouldn't recommend it, you know. But um, And so I was teaching her, you know, um, just different things. And so um, I noticed that um, she, she put it in gear and she turned off the blade. I'm like, what's wrong? She says, oh, I'm not doing good. I said, well, you're doing great. What do you mean you're not doing good? She was watching my facial expressions to determine. And if if my facial expression was giving off a signal of me being mad or that she wasn't doing good, it was determine her response and her confidence. And I'm like, honey, you're learning. You're doing great. Look, you just cut that whole part right there. You know, and and so I had to work. I said, I am not mad at you. You're doing a great job. You didn't run over anything. You're doing way far uh, better at this than I did. You realize how many trees I ran over and I was in my 30s, you know, you're doing great. And so then we started laughing. And when she realized that because her mindset and when she looked at my response and when she realized I'm not mad at you, you're doing an incredible job. She got on that lawnmower and she just tore it up. I mean, like in a good way. She just, you know, made all the rounds. I'm like, man, but I like to cut my grass. But she was just making it happen. See, if we begin to think in our minds by by what we did or by what we didn't do that God is mad at us or that God doesn't like us, it immediately begins to affect us coming to him. It immediately begins to affect our confidence in, in our relationship with the Lord. Making any sense? Okay, so here are some takeaways that we see in Jesus's response to her. One is that she needed to grab a hold and believe that God is a safe place. My friends, we need to believe God is a safe place. What do you mean God is a safe place? Listen to Psalm 46, 1, 2, 3. God is our refuge and our strength. Always, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear. You know, if we are not in the habit of uh, sharing our heart or being transparent or being vulnerable, you know, um, 
uh, I've known the Lord for quite some time, but, but trusting does just not come naturally for me. Some people it might. For me, it's not. You know, I'm like, well, you better prove yourself, <laughs> you know. But I know this. Whenever I'm in the presence of the Lord, my trust grows. Because I'm experiencing his character. I'm experiencing his very nature of who he is. And so God is a safe place. You can go and you can just vomit on him emotionally anytime you want. You can just rip into him. You know, it's not like you have to go and say, thus saith the Lord, God, here I am, here's my plan. You know, I mean, just tell him because he knows already. But sometimes you just need to have, uh, you need to have that avenue where you can just express and get out what you're feeling or what you are suppressing to say because you don't want nobody else to know what you're thinking or you're feeling. You know, because you got to be on point, not with God. Don't have to be on point. Let it out. Be vulnerable. Be transparent. We can come as we are with nothing in hand. And that's exactly what she did. She had, she spent all her money. It was very clear what her, her health condition was that caused her to be unclean. See, when we come to the Lord, we will find freedom because apart from God, there is no freedom. You cannot have freedom by yourself. You have to come to the Lord. So we have to believe that God is a safe place. See in Mark 5, 33, it says, Then the frightened woman trembling at the realization of what had happened to her. She very quickly realized something has drastically changed in my body. I am not the same. So for her to realize that the symptoms that she was having in Scripture said she was immediately healed were removed. But listen to this. Happened to her. Came and fell at his feet and told him what she had done. In, in another one of the Gospels, it said that as the crowd was there, she explained to Jesus, she explained to Jesus and the crowd, I heard her what was going on. So for the crowd to hear her, they had to have heard what her condition was. So she had to be vulnerable and transparent, not knowing, even though she believed that God would heal her, but not knowing how God would respond to her. What would he say? What would he do? Because knowing what the law was. But she just let it all out. And the beautiful thing is that when she let it all out, what did God say to her? He identified her as something that is so dear. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. So one, believe that God is a safe place. When was the last time you talked to him in such a way that you left nothing, nothing left, everything was on the table? You know, I remember, and I've shared this story before, but uh, I remember I received a phone call and um, uh, the lady that called me, she thought that I had knew some information about a mutual friend of ours. And as she started to tell me, you know, what this mutual friend had done, Oh, it, just, it made me so nauseous to my stomach, stomach because what he would done, had done had just really, really made a bad choice and it just, it was heartbreaking. And, um, and I was so aggravated. I mean, I was mad. 
And uh, so I went to the Lord. I literally had to pull over on the side of the road because it was just so bad. And I just went into the Lord like, Lord, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, how many times is this going to take place? I mean, Lord, you can only take so much betrayal, Lord. I can only take so much. And I'm just telling God how it is. And I mean, I was about to rip into this other person, you know, with just me and the Lord, you know. I'm like, Lord, I just, I can't deal with it anymore. And the Holy Spirit, he said, he said, Dixie, now you know what my heart feels like when you sin. And sometimes when we, God wants us to know that he is a safe place because we were automatic, we will, you will face betrayal. You will face heartbreak. You will face these things in this world. But when we go to Jesus, who is our safe place and we can get that pain out towards him, he in his amazingness will not cause us to do one of these numbers and point our finger but he will point that directly back to our heart, our attitude, our responses, and in relation to him. And instead of us holding on to bitterness and heaviness and allowing it to fester and that tragedy completely destroy us, when we're in his presence and we know that he is our safe place, he will remove that pain. He will add it as a part of our testimony. And he will set us on the right path with a peace that no one can understand. That's, that's the response that Jesus has for us when we come to him and we just lay it all out there. You know, you have to ask yourself, when was the last time that you just laid it all out there? Don't leave, don't leave anything unsaid or unspoken. Because sometimes we'll go to those people that are closest to us and we'll just lay it all out there. But really, in reality, if we didn't go our safe place with God and just give it all to him, oh boy, we're going to be kind of doing like the moonwalk, wishing, oh, I wouldn't have said, I shouldn't have said that. I wish I could have not done that. Because it will be from a place of bitterness or angerness or hurt. So let God be your safe place. I'm just laying it all out there. Because she sure did. And it wasn't in private place. It was in front of everybody. But oh, we're going to see how God responded. So one, believe that God is a safe place. Number two, believe that God can make my life significant. Believe that God can make my life significant. Our circumstances and surroundings will never stop God from being God. And it will never disarm him. He's not getting off of the throne and not being our creator and our savior and our healer because a calamity took place. He is God, period. See, in Luke eight forty-two through 48, it says, same uh, story, but just from a, a different perspective. He says, who touched me? Jesus asked, everyone uh, denied it. And Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But listen to this, my friends. But Jesus told him, no, someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. 
See, we see in the stories with Jairus' daughter, we see in the story with the man being lowered down from the roof, that when Jesus healed, he touched him, he laid hands on them, or when Jesus healed, he spoke it. But not on this occasion. She touched him. Not on this occasion, he didn't speak. But yet, he felt healing power come from him. See, my friends, God is God. In his authority to save us and in his ability to heal us. And when that woman had faith, she tapped in to her inheritance. She tapped in in having access to what was granted to her. See, yes, God can speak and there is power in his words. Yes, God can heal by the laying on of hands, but he is God. And without him speaking, or even without him laying on of hands, when you and I go to him in faith and we say, God, I need you, that promise is automatically transferred to us by the faith of who he is. He is God. And he knew, it's like, whoa, power has just come from my body. He knew. See, in Colossians, in Colossians 1, 15 through 16, it says Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before God made anything and at all and in his supreme over all creation. Christ is the one through whom God created everything in heaven and earth. He made the things that we can see and the things we cannot see. Kings and kingdoms and rulers and authorities and everything has been created through him and for him. He existed before everything else began and he holds our creation together. So when we say, Lord, I wonder if the Lord would help me. I wonder if the Lord would be my comforter. I wonder if the Lord would be my provider. It is who he is. He just says his name is Jehovah Jireh. So when you're, we don't have to question, will the Lord provide? We don't have to question, will the Lord protect? He is who he is. So just as when you and I come to the Lord, because at one point in time, all of us had an issue. All of us were outcast, right? Because of sin. But because our faith in Jesus Christ, we stretch forth our hand, we touch the hem of his garment, and the promise of salvation was birthed throughout all of mankind for who he is. And that's the authority that we can stand when we call on the name of Jesus. Lord, I don't see you. Lord, I don't feel like you're speaking. I don't hear your name. But God, I'm going to touch the hem of your garment because I know that you cannot fail me. That is the God that we serve. And he loves. He loves. He wasn't mad when he was turning to Peter. Hey, who touched me? He wasn't mad. He wanted to see who has experienced me for the very reason that I came for them. Who has experienced my healing power? Who has experienced God? 
See, he is the authority to save. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given complete authority in heaven and in earth. So when we believe in God to make a life significance, it is in his authority and it is in his ability. And no one can take away his authority. And no one can take away his ability. That is why when you and I have faith, it's just not some little flimsy thing that is like, ah, that's, that's a good Christian thing to have. No, it is what will cause you to stand in a storm. It is what will cause you to sleep with your heart broken. It will cause you to live on this earth with joy. It's not just something that seems Christian. It is a foundation. I believe that Jesus is my safe place. I believe that God can make significant things from my life. It doesn't matter what my last name is. It doesn't matter with the family background that I came from. It doesn't matter with the sin that I was in that I have left. But I have touched the hem of God Almighty. And my life is made new. Amen. So one, his authority to save. Two, his ability to heal. Luke 4, 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released and that the blind will see and that the downtrodden will be freed from their oppressors and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. It's important that we know the authority and the ability in Jesus Christ. Because his authority and his ability in doing miracles and moving and restoring relationship is still alive and real today. Oh, what a hope that we have in Jesus. So takeaways that we can see Jesus' response. One, believe that God is a safe place. Two, believe that God can make my life significant. And three, in closing, believe that God will give me strength. God will give me strength. See, when we look at the story as the woman had just touched the garment and she was immediately healed, and then Jesus says, power just left me. And so here she's in a tight spot. All right, I'm just going to let it all out, and I'm going to tell them. I'm going to tell them my story, and everybody around me is going to hear, and I'm going to tell them. And I love his response. Out of everything that he could have said, he could have said, hey, I'm so proud of your faith. That's good. He could have said, all right, well, you go and just have a good day. But the first words out of his mouth, daughter, daughter, ownership, belonging. For someone with an issue of blood that would have been, an, would, have, would have had almost a, a, an outcast upon them, he declares in front of everybody, hey, 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 she's mine. I love her. I value her. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. You have been healed. Go in peace. The stresses 
of rejection. The anxiety of not feeling like you fit in or a place to belong. When God spoke, he resolved that in that very moment. See, when you and I get to a place of stress, when you and I get to a place of heartbreak, when you and I get to a place of, I just, I just don't know if I can continue to go on. Something's, something's got to change. Something's got to change in this relationship. Something's got to change in this career. When we go with the, to the Lord, when we touch his garment, oh, how we will hear in exchange, my son, my daughter, I love you. I have a purpose. I have a plan for your life. And you can be in peace with that. He is here for us by the Holy Spirit. That is how we are able to have dialogue and a relationship with him. We're not just here to take up space. but He longs to have a relationship with us. So when we go through and we have those highs of our day and the lows of our day. And we feel like, is God like me today? Or is God mad at me? Or, oh man, I've messed up. We can go to him in our safe place. And we can experience a life change. A complete transformation. Dixie, this has been a generational thing. My dad's dealt with this. My mom's dealt with this. I don't see where there is a change of a pattern. Go into the presence of the Lord. And he will make miracles on your behalf. See, you see, Dixie, but you don't understand. He already made one miracle. And that was, he sent his son on this earth to die for you and me. And that miracle that we have new life. We were literally hemorrhaging. Our sin was just hemorrhaging us to death. And when you and I have faith and we accept Christ, we have that access. And not only will we be called daughters and sons of God, but we can go in peace. We can live on this earth with peace. Peace of what? Peace that God is with us. Peace that God has saved us. Peace that God has restored us. Peace that God is continuing to move in us and on our behalf. See, Romans 8, 31 through 38, it says, God is for us. Who can ever be against us? And I am convinced that nothing can separate us from his love. Death can and life can, the angels can and the demons can't. Our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow, and even the powers of hell can't keep God's love away. You and I can believe that God will give me strength. Why? Not because I say so. Because his word says so. In Nehemiah 8.10, it says, and you've probably heard this. And as you hear this, I just want you to stand. Come on, go ahead and stand with us. It says, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know a definition for joy? is It is the excitement 
in my spirit when I'm in fellowship with the Lord. That's a definition of joy. And when she touched the hem of his garment, she experienced a joy. One, the joy of there was restoration in her heart, in her physical body as well. But she experienced a joy that she belonged. She was called a daughter. See, when you and I, come on, when was the last time you went to the Lord and let him be your safe place? Come on, there's a joy and there's a peace there. When was the last time that you looked at your life and said, man, Lord, what on earth do you have for me? I don't, I don't see anything moving and happening. But we can believe and trust. God is not mad at us, my friends. He takes great delight and joy when we come to him so that we can experience his provision and his power moving and operating in our lives just like that woman did. Amen? So come on, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, do you know of that peace? Do you know of that joy? Do you think that God is mad at you? Do you feel like that the expectations that others are placing on you, that you're placing on yourself, that you're never reaching up to them? That's got to be heavy. God is saying, would you just come to me? I will show you how much I love you, how much I value you. And I'll bring healing and purpose to your life. So those of you with the sound of my voice, the Dixie, I need to know Jesus. I need him in my life. If that's you, just repeat this prayer by faith, believing it in your heart. Say, Jesus. I need you in my life. I recognize that without you, Lord, there is no significance. There's no peace and no joy. And I cannot get rid of my sin myself. Jesus, I need you as my Savior. I believe that you are the one and only true God. And I accept your forgiveness of my sin right now into my heart. Jesus name I pray. Amen. Those of you that are here on those three points. Dixie, I need to know that Jesus is my safe place. Dixie, I need to know that I have a life of significance. And Dixie, I need to know that he is my strength. So come on, let's go to the Lord right now. Holy Spirit, I ask right now that you meet every person right where they are. Lord God, if their mind and their heart is just weighed down with false expectations that you didn't place on them, that's running around in their mind and you're just like, whoa, time out. Holy Spirit, I ask that you bring truth to them. For they will not live under a heaviness of oppression from a false mindset. But Lord God, they know that they have access to you by faith in Jesus Christ. Father, that we belong to you. That we do not have to work for your love, strive for your approval. Because, Father, we were all once that woman with the issue of blood. And we touched your garment by faith. So, Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus, Father, stir up our faith. Remind us, Lord, of the, of the 
places that you brought us to. And Holy Spirit, speak to them fresh words of the purpose and the plans that you have and where you're going to bring them to. Father God, may hope arise within every person in here. And may fear and doubt be broken in the name of Jesus. I speak peace. I speak peace and joy over every mind and soul. And Father God, may we take joy in serving you and knowing you. And not hold on to the false sense that you're mad at us. But that God, you want us to have joy in this life with you. Giving us strength. Thank you for what you're doing in their lives. I speak blessings. I speak blessings in their marriage. I speak blessings in their career. I speak blessings over their health. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Lord, may we magnify you all the days of our lives. Amen. Amen. Guys, we hope that y'all are blessed. We really do. We are here for y'all. If y'all need anything, So if you need prayer, you're welcome to come up. You are dismissed. God bless you.